What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I am your host today, Mitchell Manis, alongside co-host Jack Manis. And today, you are listening to the 187th episode of the podcast. Welcome back, folks. Jack, we're kind of in somewhat of a dead zone for sports, but we still got stuff to talk about, of course. Because there's all, I mean, it's a dead zone, but especially with the NFL, there really is right. never a true, true dead zone. Yeah. And just in general, it's never dead. I mean, even when it's the dog days of summer baseball, like today, NBA free agency was still exciting. A little right. bit. Yeah. Massive news. Kevin Durant officially, officially requests a trade. Kyrie Irving seems to want to go with him wherever he goes, but it doesn't, they don't want to continue their tenure in Brooklyn after one season of playing a full season together. Kind of, Kinda. not even really, but <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes, I guess. Um, that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about uh, these NFL rookies specifically for fantasy and for dynasty purposes. Uh, we do this show every year right after our, our main dynasty leagues. Rookie draft is concluded, um, and we're ready to talk some 2022 rookies and their impact year one and long-term and kind of, you know, kind of fitting into the draft as well. Like we'll go pick by pick and at least through the first round kind of say like, you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk about it in a little bit in the context of the draft as well, like where they went and whatnot. Um, of our draft you mean, or the NFL draft? Our rookie draft. Our draft. Yes. Yes. You made it sound like we're going to go NFL draft, but yes, right. our I, I meant, rookie I draft. Of what we just the, had. Yeah. Exactly. The context of our rookie draft. Uh, it's funny because, you know, this is, this is going to be our sixth year for this dynasty league that we'll be talking about. And we've always wanted to have a rookie draft in Atlantic City, you know, kind of have a destination draft, do it kind of a little bit uh, larger scale. And we all were like, well, we got to wait till Jack's 21. You know, he's the youngest person in the league um, and whatnot. And then we finally get to do it this year in Atlantic City. And then what does Jack do? He moves to Florida and he can't come. So <laughs> we could have been doing this for a couple of years now. but We could have done it last year, but I don't remember what happened. It didn't work out. Right. Yeah, because by the time you were 21 last rookie draft, or very close uh, to it. so Yeah. Anyway, well, we had the draft on the beach. It was a lot of fun. Jack missed out. Yada, yada, yada. 
uh, <laughs> he phoned in and he didn't have Jack only had one pick and it was in the third round. It was a great pick. Yes. And we'll get to it in a second. He was trying to trade up uh, vigorously for this player in the late second, early third, mainly early third, but he got to him at the uh, 3.7, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. But like I said, uh, about a minute ago, we're going to be going pick by pick uh, through the first round. We'll share a couple second rounders, and then we'll talk about a couple guys that went later in the third and fourth. Um, I guess we can get right into it. Pick 101, pretty consensus among many rookie drafts. I mean, I haven't participated in any rookie drafts personally, but I'd have to imagine this guy goes first in about 98% of them. Uh, the only time I could really think of a more consensus 101 in the time that I've been playing Dynasty has been Saquon. Um, I guess that's fair to say, but it's Brees Hall, running back of the New York Jets. Um, what are your thoughts on Brees Hall? I mean, I mean, I, I just I don't want to make it like too much of a given. You'd pick him 101, right? I don't know. Oh, he hesitated. Are you are you are you part of that self-described 2% I just mentioned? Um, if I had 101, I'd trade out. Okay, so I take it you're not as big a fan of Brees Hall as maybe the consensus is. This is correct. All right, explain why, because that's kind of a contrary opinion to mine and most people, I'd say. So you can have the floor first. Can you go first and talk about the pros of Brees Hall? Okay. Um. I mean, here's all the notes I have written down. Uh, I mean, I think he's a pretty almost perfect blend of collegiate production. Um, had a very productive career at Iowa State. Um, and he has the intangible traits. Uh, I mean, there's not really many weaknesses to a game. I'm, I'm kind of curious to, to hear what you're going to bring up in regards to him. Maybe your critiques are more situation-based, perhaps. I'm not sure. Um, but I think there's, you know, reason for optimism with the Jets even. Uh, their offensive line is young. It's up and coming. Uh, I'd say it was a liability about a year or two ago, but it's kind of developing into a, at least above average unit. PFS, PFF has them ranked 13th. Um, like I said, still a lot of young, unproven guys with Elijah Vera Tucker, Mackay Becton, and whatnot. But, you know. They're, they're definitely showing some promise. It's not like it was, like I said, a year or two ago. Um, and just in general, just some general trends among, amongst rookie running backs. Since 2012, there has been at least one rookie finish in the top 12 um, in PPR running back rankings every year except 2019. So the past 10 seasons, nine out of nine of them, there has been at least one rookie. And I think he's the clear guy to do that out of everyone, you know, all the rookie running backs in this class. Um, I like Michael Carter. We talked about him last year a lot when we did this, this episode in particular, but he doesn't really scare me. He's a smaller back. Um, and I think he profiles definitely more as a third down back where, where Hall definitely has a, he has way better draft capital. First of all, they traded up to get him early second round, whereas Carter is a fourth round pick and they're much easier to move on from. And just in general, the way, Paul profiles and his body type he's just built better to handle more volume more touches so he definitely profiles more as a bell cow back and I mean just I know this is a rookie draft and mainly dynasty 
centric conversation that we're having. But in redraft, he's kind of going in like mid to late third right now. And I think out of the running backs in that area, I think he has the most upside and I'm intrigued by the unknown. And, and like I said, the upside of him from a redraft perspective. So, I mean, I think he's the clear one-on-one, but go ahead. Um, all fair points. Um, and you nailed it right from the beginning. I guess my critique is more situationally and you know how I evaluate rookies. I'm so... Um, my opinions are far more shaped by the situation and the opportunity that is presented to these guys. Um, Sorry to cut you off. Are you speaking on running backs or, or every prospect or mainly, mainly running backs? No, I every, everything. Yeah. Not just running backs really. I mean, I'm talking about running backs now. That's why I hesitated, but yeah, that's really just goes for any position, maybe excluding quarterback. Um, um, yeah. And just the jet situation. I don't like, I don't think many like, um, and my worries aren't even necessarily offensive line. I mean, we saw Michael, Michael Carter flourish, uh, parts of last year, um, even behind this O-line he, I have it down here. He had almost a thousand all purpose yards and only four touchdowns, but, um, still solid production out of a guy who was a fourth round pick. Um, and yeah, I agree with the, the, your point on the draft capital. I mean, Michael Carter is not too much of a threat. Uh, however, he's still there in year one. Um, but long-term like two Oh two, they got him early, early second round. They got Brees Hall as opposed to Michael Carter with the fourth round pick just from the just perspective as a whole. I, it's not, I mean, Brees Hall is a, a fantastic prospect and pr- the most talented running back prospect in this draft. Just the Jets got so many holes, and Michael Carter is a serviceable running back for the time being. I feel like that that pick could have been better utilized. Um, regardless, we're not we're not critiquing the Jets here. Um, I just look at Brees Hall, and not even just Brees Hall, it, just the guy, a running back in a Jets uniform. I don't see that ever being a, an RB1. When has that happened? When was the last time I just had an RB1? Oh, boy. Uh, right. Off the top of my head, I can't really say. Maybe like Curtis Martin? Is that too far That's back? a long time ago. Yeah, it's like almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, people said and the same thing about the Lions, though, with DeAndre Swift. Like, since Barry Sanders, fair. they didn't have one. And, Art, and DeAndre Swift on a – at least points per game basis is a solidified RB one. And if he stays healthy, he's definitely going to finish like top five, I'd say. So that's fair. Kind of broke that narrative. And I think Hall can kind of do the same. Now I, that's a a fair point about the Swift and um, the lions. Uh, I just don't have much faith in the jets. And I know you don't have much faith of the quarterback there and Zach Wilson. Yeah, that's the only that's the only hesit- hesitancy I have. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I think you like Elijah Moore a lot. I love Elijah Moore a lot. Mm-hmm. I, we'll talk about Garrett Wilson in a little bit, but they drafted him with the tenth pick overall in this right. draft. Um, and I spoke a little bit on their offensive line. I think Robert Sala is a pretty good coach. Um, mm-hmm. so it's really only Zach Wilson I have kind of 
some trepidation about. But I don't know who their offensive coordinator is, but I I think I think Salah is a great coach, but he's a defensive coach. I'm going to fact check this, but I think it's Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's brother. Okay. Um, But let me just check that real quick. You can say your closing remarks on on Hall. Um, I just view everything situationally. Jets, I just cannot envision RB1 there. Um, Very well could be wrong, but just looking back on drafts, like I look back on the 2019 draft and who was the consensus RB1 there? It was Josh Jacobs. I know in our draft, it was Dave Montgomery who went first, but um, Josh Jacobs, I feel like, was the RB1 consensus. Right. Um, And Miles Sanders was also in there. Those are the top three. Am I forgetting anyone? If off the top of your head, do you remember? No, they were the clear top three. I mean, at the end of the first, you saw guys like Devin Singletary and Darrell Henderson go. Right. So... Um, yeah, so with these top three running backs, we're going to talk about all three. Um, I think they all have equal chance of being the best running back out of this class. I mean, prospect-wise, Brees Hall is above the rest. Situationally, just changes things. Think back on 2018. I know Saquon went first, but you know who went second. It was our consensus RB2. I mean, I guess his issues kind of came off the field, but he wasn't on a great path. Um, He's referring, Jack's referring to Darius Geis, by the way. I'm referring to Darius Geis, who Connor just put in a claim, waiver claim for, um, ironically. Um, but then there was all, like, shortly after that, I mean, there was a ton of running backs in that 2018 class. Um, Rashad Penny got taken over Chubb. I don't remember, maybe not, I don't know. But, no, Chubb was three, Rashad Penny. Um, yeah, Ronald Jones, on Johnson, yeah. Royce Freeman. Right, and... Exactly. So a pick that may seem very clear in the moment in hindsight, it was just, it can definitely be way off. So I am more far more hesitant on him being a clear, the clear guy, the clear running back one clear overall first pick. Okay. And can I, may I, may I add um, dynasty rankings? I just don't see where he falls amongst all running backs, not just rookies, I don't see it. Do you know where he, what are what he is? I don't, but if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably slotted in a in a startup draft rankings for running backs. I'd say he, he probably falls in like RB seven. He's RB eight. Okay, I was pretty close. Eckler, Mixon, Hall, Dalvin, Alvin Kamara, Chubb, Saquon, Cam Akers, Derrick Henry. Which I don't know. I, I I still think it's pretty fair. I'd have him probably the maybe nine, ten, but that's I'm not too far off. Okay. Yeah, and I guess the final thing we'll say about Brees Hall, and you kind of mentioned you kind of I guess were critical of the Jets for taking him in the first place when they had a in your eyes serviceable back in Michael Carter. You have to keep in mind though, he was their fourth pick. Like they already picked Gardner, they already picked Derrick Wilson, that's they picked fair. Jermaine Johnson. So it's not like, yeah, he was an early second round pick, but he was the Jets fourth. They had a lot of capital to work with. Right. That's a fair point. I just still would have gone offensive line because you can never have a good enough offensive line. Right. But yeah. All right. Well, we're going to move on here to the one, uh, 102 in this draft, which was Drake London, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. 
he was the first receiver picked in the in well in the rookie draft, obviously, but in the NFL draft, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think he was. Yep, first. he was eighth overall to Falcons. Yep. Right. Um, walk into a fantastic situation. The Falcons have the third most vacated targets in all of the NFL going into 2022 with 287. Uh, so quite a lot there. Um, I guess I'll say my thoughts on it first. I personally would not have picked him if I had the one of two and Brees Hall was gone. Okay. However, in my opinion, I think like two through seven or eight or something like that. I think you can really have these guys in, in a lot of different order. I'm not too definitive on these on the rankings outside of Hall, which I thought was the clear first pick. Mm-hmm. So him going at one or two, I don't, I don't really fault him. Uh, well, this was Tyler who picked him. I, I don't fault him for picking him there. Um, like I said, you, you got to love the opportunity that he's walking into when there's so many vacated targets available and it's a very thin receiver core. I know they have Kyle Pitts, but just the receivers lining up on the outside consistently. There's, I mean, he's competing with literally Brian Edwards and Olmeda Zacchaeus. And I can't think of anyone else top of my head. I think we played this game one episode. We were trying to guess the Falcons receiver. I think Demir Bird maybe has ended up there, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So again, not good names. So he 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 should easily be the most talented receiver on this team year one. Um, the offense in general isn't great. They have a very subpar offensive line. Uh, quarterback situation is murky at the moment. I mean, you know my thoughts on Desmond Ritter, and I've shared it on the podcast a few times. I think the sooner he sees the field, the better outlook is I think he's a better passer than Marcus Mariota at this point. Um, you know, Mariota ha- has obviously much more experience in the NFL, clearly, because Ritter's a rookie. Um, he'll, I think he's a little bit more mobile than Desmond Ritter, but in terms of passing, I think I would take Ritter's ability over Mariota. Um, But going back to London specifically, uh, I think, I mean, I'm not super high on him, but I see, I see it. I can see why people are. He's a big body guy. Uh, He ran pretty well for his speed. Sorry. He ran pretty, he ran pretty well speed wise for his size is what I meant to say. Um, And I think he could really flourish in the red zone in particular. I mean, he had 15 touchdowns in 22 games at USC. Um, So and, it, you know, it was a much-needed pick for the Falcons because their receiver core was so bad. However, I don't know if I would have taken him there if I was the Falcons in the in the real NFL draft just because this is a team with a ton of holes, and I still think – I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth because I have this vision that Desmond Ritter is going to be really good, and I think if he plays well, I think they could be maybe a six- or seven-win team. But if he doesn't pan out like I do or he doesn't see the field, I think they could be – a bottom three to five team in football and see only three or four wins. So the offense could be really bad, which I guess is good for a receiver because the game script is in your favor. Um, but anyway, you're not just going for the, how the team is currently constructed. You want to kind of see if there's a vision and a plan long-term, but right. I said a lot of things. What are your thoughts on Drake London? Um, I like him. I liked him as a prospect. Um, he's a, Bigger frame, which I, I kind of, I mean, the Falcons know more than I do, but I question a little bit why they went with him and not one of these other guys. Just, I know they do different things, but just, I don't know, two big bodies out there in Pitts and London. It's going to, it's, it'll still be a dynamic duo. 
Um, you said the vacated targets. Calvin Ridley's vacated targets. Well, his targets in 2020, his last full season, were 143. Russell Gage, I think, led them in targets last year at 94. A ton of vacated targets. A lot of opportunity for London to produce in year one. And you mentioned the quarterback situation. I agree, it's not great, but it's a team that's going to be team that's going to be throwing a lot, and he's slotted to get all as much as he can handle. <laughs> and he was taken eighth overall, so I assume he can handle it, and they trust him. Um, he's the first wide receiver I'd probably take. It is close between his, some of these other guys, but. Um, yeah, I guess that's all I really got. I like him. I agree with what you said about him. Right. Um, yeah, he was definitely not my wide receiver one, but I, I, I see the potential. I see why people like him for I for the reasons I said. And uh that this is gonna be a common theme for me for the rest of the episode here. These guys, like I really think you can slot them in anywhere. That's why if I had to pick one, one, two, one, three, something like that, I'd be really looking to trade to maybe the seven or eight spot, because um, I would definitely prefer to have picks there and acquire additional assets to move back from from this spot here. Because I don't have very strong feelings about one of these guys ahead or the other. Right, I agree. Uh, moving on to the. 103 pick it was kenneth walker running back for the seattle seahawks picked in the second round he walked into a situation here where you know he's competing with chris carson who may not play health permitting and i've heard some rumors that he might not even make the team i don't know how true that is but he'll probably still be there in some capacity and rashad penny as well um i'm i'm just personally not a big fan of this pick I would not have picked him at 103. I'm not really a huge Kenneth Walker fan. Um, not much receiving chops whatsoever. He had 19 career collegiate catches in his whole entire career. Uh, and I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to maybe buy in that Rashad Penny, if he can stay healthy, can still be a, a good back. I still see some potential there. I mean, I went back and looked at it. He was the RB1 overall in the last five weeks of the season last year. Do you know that? Rashad Tenney? Yes. The last five weeks, he was RB1 overall. Wow. <laughs> he finished the year on an absolute tear. I so, would never have guessed that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even – I'd have to go back and check, like, what his exact game logs were. Um, but, yeah, he really finished the year well. I remember in the Wests uh, – in the All-Star game, our Dynasty League, week 17 previously or week 18 now when there's no – most leagues aren't playing for a fantasy championship. We do a little all-star game between our divisions and it's a little fun. Um, and Rashad Penny is on a team in my division. We started him and he definitely helped us in that. I don't think, I think we lost all-star week to be honest, but he really helped us out in PPR. His games points per game were 26.8. And then he had 6.4, a dud, but then he had 19.5, 32.5 and 25. So he had he had six touchdowns in that stretch. In four to five games, he went for over 135 yards. So he really finished the year well. The thing with him has always been health, though. Um, when he's seen the field, he's been fine. I don't really think he's been too much like too much of a liability out there. But it's health is always the main concern with him. 
Seahawks not going to be a good offense unless they maybe if they traded for Jimmy G or Baker, like they still wouldn't be great, but they would still be a they'd be serviceable at that point. I'd be much higher on the receivers and the backs there. Um, did you get that too? Yeah, that was weird. All right, well, Joey's got to do some work anyway. Seahawks not too high on their offense in general, they're going to be a as currently constructed going into the year with Drew Locke and Geno Smith, not going to be pretty. So I don't know. Not a big fan of this Walker pick. Sorry, Aaron. What uh, what do you think? Um, oh, Aaron picked him. So did he? Does he still have Carson? So is this kind of a handcuff situation? I don't know if Aaron ever had Chris Carson. He doesn't have him now. Oh, okay. I guess he has DK. And so I'm thinking of anyway. Um, I like this pick i like kenneth walker it seems like a lot more than you do um and by no surprise it's because of the opportunity that he has in seattle um chris carson i didn't even know that news about him possibly not making the team because of his health regardless he his health has always been a concern too um and contract wise he can be cut after the season um and then rashad penny did not know that that tidbit about him being RB1 the last five weeks. Uh, I guess that earned him a little contract this offseason, a one-year deal. I think it was like five or six million. So good for him, but I, he's not going to be there long-term, I imagine. I, I'm i going to predict it feels wrong to predict injury. I predict he gets injured this season. So um, I assume Kenneth Walker will find himself in a starting position or starting uh, opportunity this season. And I think he's good enough. I think he's too for that to extend for the next couple of seasons. Um, I mean, he's one of the only bright spots of this offense and this team in general. The only good player on this team is DK Metcalf and Kenneth Walker. I'd say, would you say he's the second best player on the, on that team? I think he's more talented than Chris Carson and Penny. Better prospects than both. Or Lockett. I forgot about Lockett. I'm sorry. So he's a top three player on that team. Yeah. Uh, PFF, PFF also has them as the 32nd ranked offensive line. Right. That is so also a concern. It's, it's um, certainly but, a liability. But we saw Chris Carson produce. So I believe Kenneth Walker can do the same. Right. And he's, his thing, he just got to stay on the field. He's got to stay healthy and he's going to be fine. Like there's a, he's going to get so many touches within the next four years if he stays healthy. So, yeah. They just can't be rolling out Drew Locke there. They got to do something about it. Gino time. Just trade for Baker, dude. Like, yeah, it's, it, can't, I, it I, cannot I cost Baker, it, but... every single day. The price goes down. Like right. how, how much could it really even take? Well, I think they teams might be waiting for him to just get released. Yeah, I guess. But still, what's the difference between paying the league minimum or just trade like a six what's he round gonna, pick at this point. Like, yeah, I know, like a six round pick versus paying him the. I don't even know what he would garner on the open market because he's not. I mean, he's not really getting trade off. I don't know. It's a weird, weird situation. Um, or I don't know how actively the Niners are shopping Garoppolo, but they ha- they really are. They, they have to pay him twenty six million dollars if he stays in the team, and they but, they don't have to pay him really anything if we trade him. I guess they teams are 
has a hint to trade in division. That could be a, a yeah. thing there. Like what yeah. other there's what other suitors for Garoppolo would there be? The Panthers. Who else? I've only heard of Panthers. It's and the Seahawks. Panthers. Panthers and Seahawks are like the only teams that need quarterbacks. So maybe they're having a they maybe they have a higher asking price for the Seahawks to trade Garoppolo there. So maybe Baker's the only feasible one. And I don't know. Yeah, that, that's tough. Seahawks are so bad. Are they, are they the worst team in the NFL? Yeah. I would say yes. Right now. Yeah. And I mean, if they made a trade, it obviously changes things. But right now, I think they're the worst. Who's next? I mean, we're, we're going on a tangent here. We got to stay back on track. But All right. I'd say probably Carolina. Pan- Houston. Maybe. Houston. Yeah. Oh, Houston. I'll, I'll still go Houston, I guess. Right. So. Anyway. All right. Uh, anything else on Walker? I think so far we've honestly pretty much disagreed on these first three picks. Like either I like him and you don't or vice versa. So London, I think we were the same. I think you're a little higher on him than I am. Okay. All, All right, right, next one. Moving on here, Chris Olave, pick 104. Uh, some may say this is a little early, but I love it, to be honest. I was... Total agreement there. Oh, you like it. Okay, we're, yeah. okay, we're in agreement here. Good. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, very productive flat, uh, three years at Ohio State, this sophomore, junior, and senior year. Uh, ran a sub 4440 at the Combine, great route runner. Uh, just an overall solid prospect with not much holes in his game. And, you know, if, if Michael Thomas is healthy and his, and he is himself uh, and, you know, Jarvis Landry was acquired there, you know, I mean, I maybe temper your one expectations a little bit. Cause that becomes a little bit of a crowded receiving room. I forgot Jar- Jarvis is there. Right. Um, so he's definitely going to get his, uh, you know, and who knows with Kamar if he's going to get suspended or not, but he always is heavily utilized in the passing game and whatnot. So I'd say year one, assuming if all those things fall into place in terms of health and availability for the Saints, could be he might not be able to see the opportunities. But I mean, there is a sneaky chance that he does if, you know, Thomas is not quite right. Kamar gets suspended like six games or something like that that, you know, Olave could be a, an instant contributor. However, even if he doesn't necessarily blow the doors off of the NFL in year one, I still think he, I have very high hopes that he's going to have a productive career in the long run. Just because, you know, Thomas and Jarvis are, are not the youngest receivers. So I think he's the future of the receiver room there. I think he's going to be really good. And I, you know, again, I don't think consensus, he's like the one four, he's probably going at like maybe one six to one eight range, but you know, I loved it. I, I was I was fired up for even though it wasn't my pick, it was it was Drew's. But I'm like, yeah, I like that pick. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And I mean, even Jarvis there, Jarvis doesn't really concern me. He's never been a player I particularly like that much. Um but even if if Thomas is there and himself, I view Thomas and Olave being the top two receivers on that team. I mean, they took Olave in the first round, so he's they're going to give him the ball. So um, Thomas and Olave being their top two receivers, Jameis Winston can handle that. 
2019, Jameis Winston, he had Evans in. That was Godwin's best year, I believe. That was his breakout, or that is uh that was his breakout year. Yeah, Godwin's breakout year 19. Um, Winston was his quarterback. That was his 30 picks, 30 interceptions season. So Winston can sling it. He's gonna be they're gonna be throwing a lot. Um and of all those variables you mentioned, Kamara possibly six games, Thomas, who knows for certain what's gonna happen. Um I think there's going to be opportunity for him early and I think he'll produce. So yeah, I, I like this. I think it's a great situation for him, which is the the trend, the theme here that I, I value highly. Um, my top two receivers probably going to be London and Olave. London who and Olave? London and Olave. Those two, my top two receivers. Oh, I thought you said top three for some reason. I thought I missed something. No. Um. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, like I said, I think he's a very, I don't know. There's not too much like I can really knock him for his game. And it's just his, his, uh, his profile as a prospect. So prospect wise, um, you know, it's funny because Garrett, him and Garrett Wilson teammates at Ohio state, they're like the same exact size. Um, I think Garrett Wilson grades slightly better as a prospect. Um, but situationally, situationally, I Olave finds himself in more favorable spot. So I'd go Olave first over Garrett Wilson, right. definitively. Yeah, there's another reason why I definitely would want to trade down if I was like a second or third pick in the rookie draft. Right. But I didn't have any first, seconds, or thirds, so I don't really have an input there. All right. So moving on to the 105, we have Traylon Burks, wide receiver of the Tennessee Titans was picked in the first round in place of the draft day trade of A.J. Brown. Uh, Similarly to Drake London, walks into a fantastic opportunity. The Titans officially have the first most vacated targets in the NFL with 351. That is a lot of targets. I guess, you know, considering A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. Julio, but like Julio didn't get that. Like, he didn't play that much. Uh, uh, Josh Reynolds, was he there? I will tell you in a second who they all went to. Okay, so targets. Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Chester Rogers still there, don't know. Berkser. I feel like they don't have any of these guys on the roster besides Westbrook and Kina. Okay. And all the way down to like Dontrell Hilliard, who only had 26 targets. Like, I think Interesting. Every, everyone else, I don't think they have on the team anymore. Anyway. Well, they acquire Robert Woods to right. fill that. Yeah, it's it's a little obviously bit. not going to all go to Burks, but uh, what is your opinion on him? Pre draft, uh, when we did our mock drafts, I don't remember if I selected him. Um, he's intriguing, but I feel like there were concerns. I did have some concerns and, uh, scouts on the league also had concerns about his weight and conditioning. And so far in OTAs, it's kind of been true. I don't know if there's, I think I read a report or saw a headline that he has dealing with asthma. So that could be, um, that mixed with the summer heat could be a factor. Um, not great signs so far, 
But as you said, the opportunity he is going to have with the targets is crazy. Um, and I would say Tannehill is better than the Falcons quarterback situation. So um, in comparison to Drake London is what I'm getting at here. I'd still take London because I think he's a better prospect and just more talented. Um, but, you know, and he's a great situation. He's their first round pick. Presumably their AJ Brown replacement. Um, so I don't know that you can't knock him too much on the whole conditioning and weight stuff. So do you, I feel like you, are you going to be high on him because you were low on AJ Brown coming out? You want you don't want to make that mistake twice. No, I'm low on him. Okay. Just so, like AJ Brown. Well, it's not it's not because of the situation. If, okay. if anything, it would be the situation's good. There's so yeah. many available targets. And Ryan Tannehill, although he has his shortcomings, better quarterback than I guess Marcus Mariota was like four years into his NFL career. I just think there's flaws to his game. Uh, he's for a big body receiver. He's inconsistent with contested catches. It's fair. Uh, he kind of lacks separation a little bit. He has, I saw this. He's a 20th percentile a dot, which means out of all the receivers in college football, 20th percentile in average depth of target. So a lot of his catches we're right around the line of scrimmage. That kind of shows me that he's a little limited. And I think you have to kind of manufacture his touches as opposed to kind of just someone who can create on their own um, and win with route running. I don't really think he can do that very well. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not high on his game. It's more about prospect base. A.J. Brown was the complete opposite. I loved him as a prospect. And he went to a situation that I didn't love. And it burned me. So this is like the exact opposite of that. Okay. And I guess my philosophy is a little different than yours. Like I'm, I just want to trust the prospect evaluation over the situation. The situations are fluid. They change so quickly. You know, no one could have seen that all of a sudden Ryan Tannehill is going to take over halfway through the season. And then they're going to have a fantastic end of the year and next like two or three years, you know? So and just things change. And um, so it's the opposite of that for me. I just don't like his. And like you said, you touched on the conditioning issues uh, that have been happening in minicamp. I don't like that either. Don't want to overreact too much because people were making a big fuss about Jamar Chase and his drop issues like right around August right. of last year. I feel like, um, yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. This could be just Jamar Chase drop. Yeah, rumor. I, I don't, I don't want to completely overreact, but it's still not great. You'd rather this not be happening. So, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, – I don't know where I would rank him, where I would take him. But personally, I think I would let someone else take him as opposed to me being the one to do it. So, Yeah, and as we know, I'm situation over everything, and this is the prime situation for a rookie receiver to be inserted into. Uh, he's – of the wide receivers we're going to talk about, I have him sixth out of eight. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like we both have our skepticism. Right. So, I mean, as a prospect, it's don't, we don't love them, but targets is going to get is why I have them higher than a few or very close of one. 
pretty much tied six with one. But yeah, anyway. Next one, tied six with the next one, Garrett Wilson. Yes. You have Garrett Wilson sixth? Sixth receiver, yeah. Wow. Okay, that's kind of low. Uh, yep. Well, he went with the 106, Garrett Wilson, that is, a wide receiver for the Jets. He was, what, the second receiver taken in the NFL draft? Yeah, 10th overall, I believe. Okay. Yeah. We, we kind of touched on him a little bit when we were talking about Olave. We both like him a lot as a prospect. He has great play strength. His junior year production was very, very good. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I don't know if – I think it's both factors. I mean, Zach Wilson objectively had a very underwhelming rookie year. That's just not my bias saying, which because I don't like Zach Wilson, that he had a bad year. He legitimately did. He had nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions, and like not that many yards, and he just didn't look that great. Very inaccurate. I think he completed 55% of his passes. So worried about that situation. He has yet to prove anything at the NFL level. And I mean, it, I just love Elijah Moore a lot. I still think he's going to be the 1A receiver in this situation. But, you know, I mean, you need more than one good receiver in the NFL. So it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like it's a super crowded situation. I mean, outside of them two, I don't know. Sorry, Corey, Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims and Corey Davis, they don't really do anything for me. So, I mean, Wilson is, in my mind, the solidified number two. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. I still think because I like him a lot as a prospect, and who knows, like either Zach Wilson's going to get better and it's going to be fine, or he won't, and they'll move on from him in like about a year or two. So it'll change regardless, you know, in some shape or form. So I don't want to get too caught up in his situation because I do like him as a prospect. I think he was my, he, I think as a prospect, he was my number two receiver. Who is your one? haven't talked about him yet okay we'll save it um i agree the situation as we talked about with Brees hall jets aren't great um i mean it's really i mean honestly i think it legitimately comes down to zach wilson if they i think everything else is completely fine with them it's just him like yeah had a better quarterback that would be it it only comes down to him which is obviously a huge factor right but it's it's not like the whole entire situation is bad it's just the quarterback play that that's definitely fair. Um, I mean, Elijah Moore, like with Elijah Moore being there, like Wilson's path to being. You're drafting. We have him. He was drafted in our league at one of six, probably even a few spots higher in our leagues. Right? Isn't he the one of three overall in fantasy pros? Um, that could be wrong, but. You know, when you're drafting a guy that high, I want someone who has a clear shot to be a wide receiver one, first of all, over in fantasy, let alone on your team. You know, like you just said, you think Moore is the for sure wide receiver one and Wilson's the two. That's not someone I want to draft at six um, overall and spend a first round pick on. And this quarterback situation, you talked about Zach Wilson. And you talked about the scenario Zach Wilson either plays well and that's good for Garrett Wilson or they move on from him and get a new quarterback. Well, if the latter happens, I mean, it sounds kind of simple that Elos get a better quarterback, but then that just like, that'll happen in what, two years? They're going to give him like 
at least three Zach Wilson at least three years to prove himself probably and let him play out his fourth so like that just kind of delays Garrett Wilson's growth and that can really throw a wrench in like how he turns out as an NFL player so so much as you said and it's obvious so much depends on the quarterback play and I don't know Elijah Moore was a prospect I loved you did too and he did well when he played this season um Garrett Wilson is a comparable prospect, um, but it's just two of them there. It's tough. And it's not, again, back to the quarterback situation, not a quarterback that I trust servicing to or supporting to uh, number one receivers. So that is why Wilson, I was, he's my seventh. He was behind Traylon Burks. It's just tough because like pre-draft seeing these guys ranking Burks ahead of Garrett Wilson's tough, but I'm a situation guy, as I said. And our league agreed Traylon Burks was drafted before Garrett Wilson. So that's what I got on Wilson. Fair enough. Moving on here to the 107, Jamison Williams, wide receiver for the Detroit Lions, picked, was it 12th overall or something like that? I know the Lions had to trade up to get him. So, right. And is this your number one receiver? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. I I had him at five. Overall or receiver? Receiver. I don't know. I I ranked them separately, receivers and running backs, but I. Interesting. I mean, I think he is the most special receiver in this class. He's lightning fast, fluid athlete, insane release off the line. And the way he can decelerate when he's, you know, accelerating to stop on a dime is very, very special. Um. I mean, the only really con you can really say about him is that he's a slim frame, but like, I don't really buy too much into that. We've seen, I feel like that was a bigger knock on receivers maybe like four or five years ago, but we've seen a lot of guys with small frames do pretty well in the early stages of their career. Like Marquise Brown, people always saying, oh, he's way too small to play in the NFL, but he has had a pretty good first three years in the NFL considering, especially because he's on the Ravens, who it's not a very good system for wide receivers to flourish. I think he's done pretty well for himself, considering all that. Devontae Smith, the big, the only knock on him really was just his weight. And he had a pretty solid rookie year. He had 900 something yards and, or whatever. So he did well. I don't really buy into that. I think if the guy's good and he's fast and he's just a good receiver, I think you can get by it in today's game. So there's that. And it's just the ACL. But again, that's another thing. Like, we see so many ACLs aren't really much these days anymore. I don't want to downplay it too much, but yeah, guys come it's, back it's, from ACLs. It's such a common, not even just NFL in general, in life or in all of the world, just such a common injury now. And technology has gotten or the, I don't know, everyone. It's just right. It's it's not as significant as it once was. I totally agree. Right. So, yes, he could maybe be a pupless candidate and miss the first six weeks of the season, which would maybe stunt his early development here, but I think he's going to be just fine. And people can point to, okay, it's the Lions, right? But you better get ready for these Lion takes I'm going to be having throughout the summer here. Me too. And Jack, I'm not, I'm not even joking. Like, they're plus 400 to make – I'm legitimately – they're going to make the playoffs. I'll tell you right now. They're making the playoffs. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. I thought you were going to say win their division, which that's going to be really, really tough. But I don't – it's not crazy to think of them as a seven seed. They're plus 400 to make the playoffs. I'm thinking about doing some crazy things with that. Uh, and 
I mean, whatever. I don't want to go into a whole Lions as a whole team tangent here, but people will say the situation's bad. It's not bad. Um, and it's not like it's, it's a, per- I think it's a perfect mix. Like it's not like it's a very crowded receiving room where like he can't be the alpha there, but it's not like it's totally decimated. Like a place like, I don't know, Atlanta or like Chicago or something like that outside of one guy where it's like all the attention's on them. And that's not really good either. I think Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, got TJ Hawkinson at the tight end position. You got good receiving backs. Um, you know, DJ Chark has shown flashes. I think it's guys that are good enough to where they require attention in their own right. But Williams could eventually develop in maybe the end of this season or next season as the alpha guy. So I think it's a good mix there in, in that, in that realm. Um, exactly. I mean, I, he was my, like I said, pre-draft number one. And I, I just, I still think I would have kept him there to be honest. And going league specific here for our league, Ryan was the team that drafted him. I think he's a perfect player for him to pick because Ryan's team is in a bit of a transition period, not really going to be competing this year and you don't need him to contribute right away. You know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. it was a perfect fit for the team that drafted him uh, in our league. So I'm, I'm really high. I like this pick a lot. And um, like I said, I mean, I, it can, because of the stigma of going to the Lions and his ACL, I think he kind of fell a little bit in the rankings to maybe the six, seven, eight range. And that's all the more reason that I would love to have traded back if I had the second or third pick. I know I sound um, like a broken record. I said it like three times, but right. it's really true. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, yeah, I mean, I really can't argue with what you said. I think when you start to say situation's not great, or about the situation, I guess, there, I think it is too, it's a very crowded receiving room with Amon Arsene Brown, who, I loved I really liked as a prospect and he shined last year. You know that you he was he was on your team, right? Um last year, but I traded for him in the offseason. Right. Okay. No. Player I like a lot. And he produced he was a league winner last year for a lot of people, fantasy wise. Um they're bringing DJ Chark. Uh it's only a one year deal, but I think DJ Chark is a good receiver. Good number three. They, yeah, for definitely. I mean he was a number one of the Jags, so to go from a number one receiver on a team to a number three, that's that's impressive. That's that's good for the Lions, but still, he's targets there. Hawkinson's one of the best tight ends in the league, a top five tight end probably. He catches balls a good amount. Swift catches balls. Jamal Williams, they still have right. He catches too. There's just a lot of targets. Um, however, they drafted James Williams 11th overall. He's gonna. They draft him to be their number one receiver. He'll get there eventually, and I agree with you. Maybe a slow start in year one, um, especially coming off an injury, but very, very good prospect. Um, now there are again a lot of a lot of receiving threats, but we see we've seen Jared Goff support a lot of uh, wide receivers before, fantasy wise, with the Rams. So not he's he could do it. Um, exciting time to be a Lions fan. Right. And you know what I meant though, right? Like it's a lot of guys and they're good, but it's not like any of them are like elite guys that he can't overtake. That's fair. I want to say Amon Ra could have 
could have went. He could have been an out. Like he could have been the wide receiver one on on their team, which I think everyone before the draft thought he would be. Um, but you look at the draft capital spent fourth round versus first round. Um, I I hate to say how much like draft capital means everything because at the end of the day, if a fourth rounder is more talented than the first, they're going to throw the ball to the fourth rounder more. But I mean, as a prospect, I love Jamison Williams and so do you. I think that's going to be a great one-two punch. God, I'm so high on the Lions, dude. I'm they're gonna they're gonna have 13 wins. I they won't. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be a 10 and 7 team. They will. I think they could I could definitely they could get the nine wins and that can certainly make the playoffs. Oh god, I'm so excited, dude. I love them. I just I love Dan Campbell. I I, I got, I'm getting too excited. We gotta move on. We gotta stay on track here. Yeah. Pick 108. James Cook running back for the Buffalo Bills, uh, picked in round two, 63rd overall, so in the back end of the second round. What are your uh, interested? I mean, I think from if I had to guess, I'd say you're high on James Cook because you said him, Walker, and Hall have an equal chance to end up as an RB1 this year. Correct. Okay, so go ahead. Um, been saying this whole episode, opportunity is everything. He finds himself in the... I initially wrote one of the most stable, the most stable offense and probably the best offense in the league. Um, again, maybe I still think he's going to produce in year one, definitely towards the back half. Cause I think he's just better than Devin Singletary as a just talent perspective. Um, and Singletary presumably, presumably is gone after this year as his last year on his contract. He was, a, yeah, he was a 2019. Yeah. So, um, I could definitely see him stepping in to be the top running back on this team. And I, I know Josh Allen takes some running uh, rushing opportunity away from the running backs um, in Buffalo, but um, you know, I I don't know. It doesn't, that doesn't scare me too much. I think just, it's just a perfect opportunity for a running back. I, I thought they were going to take a running back in 2021. I thought they were going to get ETN. In the first round, they didn't. Uh, they went with James Cook this year in the second round, right? Second round? Yep, second round. So that's enough draft capital for me um, to put some stock in James Cook. Um, and, yeah, I said it before, equal chance to be the best running back out of this class is Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, in my opinion. Pretty equal. I don't know. I honestly may give Cook a slight edge, but I don't know. It's It's – it's tough to choose between these three, in my opinion. Yeah, to be honest, so not that I didn't like, it's not like I wasn't like, what am I trying to say? I have Devin Singletary on my dynasty team. So the whole draft, I was hanging on by a thread, hoping, okay, come on, Bills, please don't spend a first or second round pick on a running back. You know, we got through night one, they didn't pick a running back with their first pick. I'm like, great, that's good. And then Brees Hall went to the Jets. I'm like, okay, great. We're, we're almost in the clear. Then Kenneth Walker goes, I'm like, awesome. We're, we're almost there. Then they pick James Cook, and I'm like, okay, like I'd rather them not do that, but at least it wasn't one of those other two guys, right? Um, 
So, but I don't know, as the, as it's kind of progressed here in the last two or three months since then, since the NFL draft, I'm a little bit more worried and, and also excited to potentially get James Cook and maybe some redraft leagues um, and maybe have him as my keeper in our stars league or whatnot. So, I mean, he's the clear cut number two at the minimum right now. I mean, there's no one else really on that, on that team. Like he's already higher than Zach Moss. Like clearly Zach Moss might not even make the team. Who knows? Yeah. I heard, I saw that. Yeah. Um, and he has the opportunity to be, be the one a in the, in a committee in year one, I think. I mean, not that Devin single, he's not going to go away completely this while he's still on the team. Singletary that is. Um, but Cook can be the lead guy in, in a in a two running back kind of system here for sure in year one. Um, the Bills made it like abundantly clear that they wanted a pass catching running back. Like they made it a priority. I mean, they pursued J.K. McKissick, J. Why did I say McKissick? J.D. McKissick. Why did I say J.K. McKissick? Yeah. Uh, they wanted him, and he. It was almost a deal that was signed, but he decided last minute to go back to Washington. Um, so when that didn't work out in free agency, they really looked towards the draft. Cook has a, a, a huge leg up on Devin Singletary in terms of pass catching. Um, so especially in PPR leagues, his value goes up even more. And like you said, in the, one of the first things you said, he's going to be, this is going to be one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL for this year and for the foreseeable future, for sure. So, I mean, I don't know. I really like this pick at 108. I think he is, um, you know, his, his, his college numbers don't jump off the page, but that's kind of just how Georgia rolls. They just use a ton of backs and it's, they never use a workhorse there like rarely in, in recent memory. So, you know, I mean, he only had 113 attempts last year and every other year he didn't even get past 50 attempts, but you know, he still has the receiving work. He, he, went for eight catches 16 16 and 27 so he definitely has that in his wheelhouse um and when he got touches he was very efficient with them all that being said i mean i i don't know i think he's going to do really well here in buffalo it's a good spot and like you said devin singletary probably won't be there next year in 2023 so and we're, we're looking for the long term long term for these guys not just near one anything else or do you want to move on to 1.9 Nope, 1-9. 1.9, Jahan Dotson of the Washington Commanders, first-round pick, was selected. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll go first with him. Pretty good situation to walk to, all things considered. I mean, they have a clear-cut number one in Terry McLaurin, who just got extended a couple of days ago. Um, congratulations, Terry, after your brief holdout, I guess you would say. Um, but other than him the receiving core is not like the brightest or not the brightest. I don't, I don't know anything about their intelligence. I don't know why I said the brightest. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's not the deepest is what I meant to say. And I don't know, like I said, I kind of touched on it with Jamison Williams. I'm not really too concerned about lack of size. Um, we've seen these smaller framed wide receivers have some success early on in their career. He had really good production the last two years of his collegiate career. That's Dotson. Um, last year, 91 catches, almost 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. Very good acceleration, super quick. And um, I don't know. I think I think it's a fine pick here at 109. Like, I can't really 
fault. Uh, this was Ryan again who picked him. I don't really fault him here. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a fine pick in my opinion. Um, I am not much of a film watcher. Okay. Um, but I feel like they just drafted a carbon copy of Terry McLaurin. And why is that bad? Terry McLaurin's good. It's not bad. It just seems a little odd to draft the same type of receiver. Um, Who else could they have gotten, though? When did they pick one? Or they could have gotten Traylon Burks. Yuck. We talked about him. Um, They could have gotten two other guys we were going to talk about who I'd rather have. I don't know. Prospect-wise, you could say Dawson's better just to pair with Terry McLaurin. I'm not a GM. But um, I still like him. I still like Jahan Dotson. Like, he can definitely be a productive NFL wide receiver. And, I mean, if he was in a situation that, like, Terry McLaurin walked into in 2019, um, Jahan Dotson could be wide receiver one. Like, he could be a Terry McLaurin. Um, but he can't be a Terry McLaurin when there's a Terry McLaurin on his team. As what we've said, who are we talking about? With Garrett Wilson. When I'm drafting, if I'm if I'm drafting someone ninth overall, um, I probably still want him to be, hopefully, be a wide receiver one at least on his team one day. And with Terry McLaurin just signing an extension, that's not going to happen for it was at least four years. So, um, I also don't really trust Carson Wentz to support two receivers at this point in his career from fantasy perspective. So that kind of makes it tougher. Um, to draft Jahan Dodson, in my opinion. It's tough, though, because I I do like him. I think he's good. It's just the situation he finds himself in is why I have him ranked as my eighth receiver out of the eight we're going to talk about today. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, I guess we can move on to another one. Um, Sky Moore, pick 110, receiver of the Chiefs, picked in the second round. Um, consistent high-end production all three years at Western Michigan. Uh, as a true freshman, he went for 51, 802, and three touchdowns. That's pretty solid numbers for a freshman going there. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, he killed it, 95 catches, almost 1,300 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Um, people will knock him for the lack of competition playing at Western Michigan. Um, but if you can play, you can play. It doesn't ultimately matter where you, where you go. But I was going to say, he kind of killed Pitt too, right? He did. Yep. So there's that. Uh, and ultimately, though, why I like this is just I trust the Chiefs organization. to so, uh, I trust them in their selection of him. I trust them to utilize him properly. And I just think he's, you know, and again, situation's good. Second most vacated targets with the departure of Tyreek Hill. So there's a ton of opportunity to go around. Clearly, that's going to be filled by a couple different guys. They bring in Juju. They bring in MVS. So it's not going to obviously all go to one guy. It's going to be dispersed, but still a lot of opportunity available. Um, and at the minimum for the next four years, he's linked to the best quarterback in football. So that's obviously a great thing as well. So I really, I like Sky Moore a lot. I probably would have taken him. I don't know, maybe one or two spots higher than this ish, but uh, I like him more than the last guy we're going to talk about in the round one. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but I like Sky more better than him. The next guy or the last guy? 
Well, both of them for sure. I don't like pick one eleven, but I don't either. But yeah. But but I like him better than the guy who went at one twelve. Okay. Don't spoil it yet for the listener. I disagree with you on that. Okay. Uh, but I like and I like Sky Moore a lot. He's the fourth receiver I have overall. Um, you said it, and we all know it. He's a Tyreek replacement. Um, they bring in Juju, who's only on a one-year deal, so they could move on from him after this year. Um, they signed MVS to a three-year deal, but that dude stinks. He's so bad, so <laughs> he it does not concern me at all. Um, Juju's good if I mean health is somewhat of a concern. They're gonna move on from either Juju or MVS, like at least one of them, if not both of them, won't really be in the picture. I especially. In year two for Sky Moore, I assume. Miko doesn't really Miko Harmon doesn't really excite me either. Um, so I could see him being the wide receiver one on this team for for sure. Um, maybe even year one, if not year two. And they also have Travis Kelsey in the mix, the best tight end in the league. So it's not like um, uh, all the attention will be on Sky Moore. Um, Definitely not. Yeah. Right. And again, you said Mahomes. It's, you know, best quarterback situation as well. Chiefs offense is electric. It's I've harped on it in a couple episodes we've had, but Tyreek Hill is a, is a huge, huge void to fill. And Skymore will do his best. So, yeah. I'm excited. I still I, – I don't really think they're going to miss a beat, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't think Tyreek Tyreek's like a generational talent, and yeah, I don't know. We'll see Sky more. Prove me wrong. Yeah, prove Jack wrong. Uh, speaking of proving me wrong, I don't like pick one eleven, which is Rashad White's running back for the Bucks in the third round. Didn't really grade out well as a prospect on the scouting reports that I looked at. Uh, he did have good production as a senior for sure. A thousand yards, fifteen rushing touchdowns, and um, forty-three yeah. catches. Was it Nebraska? Where no, did he go? Arizona State, I believe. Oh, okay. I don't know who I'm thinking of. Nebraska. I don't know where you're getting that from? Yeah, Arizona State. Um, forty-three catches. That's definitely nothing to sneeze at whatsoever. That's 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 very strong numbers. However, I don't know. I mean, he's firmly behind Fournette. And, right. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, if, if Fournette goes down, there will definitely be an opportunity. They don't have Ronald Jones anymore. Bucks still have a great offensive line. It's fourth ranked by PFF. Um, and you got to admit, though, if Fournette did go down, I think he fits your mold of opportunity greater than talent. I just yeah. don't like the talent. Right. Sure, if he if Fournette goes down, then yeah, uh, he's gonna have opportunity. He should have opportunity, but because he's better than I, I, even though I just kind of uh talked down on him, give me him over Keyshawn Vaughn every time. I just see this as being another Keyshawn Vaughn pick. Not Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn was taken in the one twelve in our twenty twenty rookie draft, and I just really view it as the same. Um, I don't think it's quite as bad as that. I, I. I'm slightly higher on him and have a little bit more optimism than I did at the Keyshawn Vaughn pick, but you know, I really still, don't. Still don't love it. I would probably take him in the beginning of the second, not here in the first. 
like they they just invested a lot of money in Leonard Fournette for the next couple years. So like, there's not a path to him. Like if I'm drafting a running back in the first round, he unlike a receiver. Like I said about the receivers, like I want there to be a path where my first round receive receivers can be the wide receiver one on their team. Absolutely, a running back has to be the RB one on his team within the next couple of years if I'm drafting him in the first round. And they just signed Fournette to a contract that's multi-year contract. So I don't see it happening for Rashad White. Um, if Leonard Fournette goes down, I would not be surprised if they sign a running back to help replace him. Um, who's out there? David Johnson's out there. Oh, I forgot about David I, Johnson. So, like, I, 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 I just don't see it. I really think it's just a Keyshawn Vaughn pick. Okay. Ironically, on the same team. All right. Fair enough. Well, prove us wrong, Rashad. Last pick in the first round here, one point twelve. We have Christian Watson, wide receiver for the Packers, in round two. Uh, I have my reservations about Watson. Jack seems like he likes him a lot. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go. Okay. I don't have too much to say. Like, I don't, it's not like I hate him, but mm-hmm. go ahead. You can go ahead first. I assume you can assume why I like him. <laughs> it's yeah. Devonta Adams replacement. Fifth most vacated targets, 248. Ton of vacated targets. He's the most talented wide receiver on this roster. Already, I think he's better than Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard. Randall Cobb is too old. Um, Romeo he's the, most, he's the most talented receiver. They invested good draft capital in him, and he's Aaron Rodgers' quarterback. Um, in one of the best offenses, in which was the one seed last year, right? Were the one seed, yeah. Back to back tech MVP and Rodgers, like the situation. Could not be better for him. Um, as a prospect, I don't really have much to say. I don't really care. Like, there's just so many targets. The situation's so good. He's my third overall wide receiver. What would you say if I told you that he never had more than 800 yards in his four years at North Dakota State? Don't care. You could put me on the Packers, and I would. I'd be wide receiver to one. I don't know about that. I, I just, I'm just. I'm just skeptical about this. I mean, it's not like I think it was a good spot for him in terms of the like where he was picked at 1.12. Like, I can't say, like, oh, that was a reach or whatnot. Like, I think late first is where he should be going and probably where I'd be taking him, to be honest. But it just doesn't excite me that much. I know the opportunity's there, but it just he doesn't excite me really. I would take the guy who had 2.1 over him. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't wouldn't fault you too much for that but i mean i don't know how this opportunity doesn't excite you best quarterback in the league second best quarterback in the league he doesn't excite me i don't know if garrett wilson or jameson williams went to the packers i'd be picking them 1.2 without a doubt i'd pick one more one yeah so like i'd probably again if if i did it was in if yeah, I'd probably take him like fourth, one hundred four. 
but Who? since that Watson, I'd take him one. I'd take him oh, probably geez. fourth or fifth. But since I, that's why I would probably look to trade back a little bit because I know he's really slotted to go there. Um, so what is he like yeah. your third ranked receiver? Yeah, I said he's my third ranked receiver. London Olave, Watson, Sky Moore, Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, John Dotson is what I had. Mm, interesting. All right. Well, agree to disagree. We will see on that one. All right. So for the last part of the show here, Jack and I are just going to be highlighting a couple second round picks from our rookie draft. Not go through every one. Won't spend as much time on them. And just one or two uh, third and fourth round picks. First guy, I definitely want to mention here because I would have, I kind of alluded to it when I we were talking about Christian Watson at 1.12, but it's 2.1 George Pickens wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers picked in the second round. Uh, there's a lot, lot of reasons why I like this pick. He has the pedigree in college. Uh, he had 727 yards and eight touchdowns as a true freshman and an extremely low passing volume system at Georgia. Like 727 yards and eight touchdowns at Georgia's probably like 1200 and 1200 yards and 13 touchdowns at like Alabama or something like that. So they're just completely different programs. And those numbers are very impressive, especially coming from a true freshman. I mean, there are red flags. He has been, he has battled injuries the last two seasons. And there are some character concerns because he seems a little bit erratic. However, I trust the Steelers organization more than any organization to pick good, productive, solid receivers. We've dealt with head cases at receiver before. It's nothing new with us. And if, you know, it could be even, it, he could be fine. You never know that. So it just, it's the ultimate trust I have in the Steelers to pick receivers. And it seems like a crowded receiver room right now, right? You got Deontay Johnson, you got Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth, Najee will catch passes and, and whatnot. But that's exactly what I said in 2017 when we drafted Juju in the second round. I'm like, we got Antonio Brown. We have Martavis Bryant. Like, why do we need to draft the receiver here in the second round? I thought it was a waste. And look how that it played out. Martavis Bryant was gone probably within that season. Antonio Brown was gone two years later. And I mean, I doubt we pay Deontay. He's going to want and garner at least $20 million a year. We're not going to pay that. And so I think there's a strong possibility he's gone after the 2022 season. And then, you know, this pick is going to look a lot more like a need. So I'm all in on George Pickens. I think he's going to be great. I am too. As a prospect, now this is a perfect blend of, for me, a prospect that I love and um, a situation I also love. George Pickens, he, so I watched, I drafted DeAndre Swift in our rookie draft in 2020. After I drafted him, I watched every snap of DeAndre Swift um, from the previous season, from the 2019 season. And George Pickens as a true freshman stood out to me a lot. So he's a player I'm very familiar with. I think he's fantastic. Um, end situation. Now, I'm just going to go right into – I know this is out of order. I'm going to go into what I want to talk about. Sure, go ahead. The, the pick I made, Calvin Austin, um, receiver out of Memphis, who the Steelers drafted in the fourth round. And – 
for the same reason, this is the perfect situation. There's no no team in the NFL drafts any position group better than the Steelers drafting receivers and developing receivers. And that's just it's not our bias. It's just fact. It's just fact. We we have the Steelers have such a proven track record in doing so. Um you said it. Deontay Johnson's gonna want a lot of money. Steelers are probably not gonna pay him. And it just makes sense. Like if we can draft and develop talent that's just replace these guys, like it's not worth investing, especially the wide receiver market nowadays. Like it's just not worth it. I I Deontay's a great player and I although he's got some drop issues, I really don't have any like I like him a lot, but it just doesn't make sense. The only players to get a set, the only sorry, only receivers to get a second contract from the Steelers, um, since like the '90s is Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's an exception, best talent in the league. We had to do that. I agree with us doing that. Um, excluding Juju, who got our one one year deal, I don't really count that though. But aside from that, I. Calvin Austin's the Deontay Johnson replacement, and I love Chase Claypool, but George Pickens could presumably be the, the Chase Claypool replacement. I just really see that happening. Um, we invest a second rounder, George Pickens, so I have to believe that we're going to use a part a part of our future. Um, Calvin Austin's a fourth-round pick, and we turn sixth-round pick Antonio Brown to all-pro, best receiver in the league. Um, I'm not going to jump to conclusions about Calvin Austin. To Antonio Brown, but I see a lot of Deontay Johnson in a similar frame. Kyle Dawson's like an inch shorter. Um, insanely, insanely fast. He's yes, faster, I was gonna say that he's faster, Deontay Johnson, and super, super productive at Memphis the past two years. Uh, Sauce Gardner gave him a lot of praise, which you don't really see cornerbacks do. A lot of egos as defensive backs, they don't really give receivers a lot of praise. Gardner said Kyle Dawson was the best receiver he went, went up against, so. I hold a lot of weight to that considering how good uh, Sauce Gardner is. Um, and they played Alabama, right? Who? Didn't Cincinnati oh, yes, play? Cincinnati. Yes, they did. So, exactly. So high praise. But, yeah. Um, I don't know what else I could say. I was ready to trade up to get Calvin Austin. Um, I'm so happy he fell to me at 307. I was surprised he made it that far. But I don't know. I kind of thought the Steelers wide receiver trend is some something that everyone is around the league is very in touch with or very very know a lot of like recognize. I mean, I think people do, but they don't really. Maybe they don't understand how important, like how much of a lock or as close of a lock you can get with the draft pick, like in taking a Steelers receiver. So. I can't really say much more good things about Calvin Austin and also George Pickens for that, for that matter. Right. All right. Well, I guess we can kind of pair these uh, next two second round guys together as they're on the same team in uh, Damian okay. Pierce and John Mechie. Pierce went at 2.3 and what Mechie was 2.5, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think so. Right. So both, like I said, selected by Houston. Uh, I like Damian Pierce more than I liked Rashad White. I would have mm-hmm. taken Pierce over White. Uh, I mean, Pierce, he didn't have the production that, that White had. I mean, he 
his career high in college and carries was 106. He never got higher than that. Um, but decent receiving chops. He had 13 touchdowns in his senior season. Uh, he's he's got the body of a of a back that can handle a lot of touches if given to him. I mean, he's 5'10, but he's 220 pounds. So he's got the build for it. Uh, and I mean, I'm hopping on your train with this one. I think the opportunity is certainly there. Texans O-line isn't the best, but they have Laramie Tunson, who's who's a very good tackle, and they just drafted Kenyon Green um, in the first round this year, so they made a little bit of investment in the offensive line. So it's not like the worst in the NFL, and it's got some potential there. And it's just – you look at the running backs in his room. I mean, come on, man. You got Rex Burkhead, Marlon Mack. These these names don't scare you whatsoever. So I think Pierce, although, yeah, he wasn't a high pick in terms of draft capital. He doesn't have an elite prospect profile, but those guys are out the wayside, in my opinion. Like, I, I that's like the worst running back room in the league. Yeah. So I think Pierce has, has an opportunity here. I mean, if he shows something, I think maybe he can thrive around the goal line. You know, I haven't watched a lot of his film here, but just going off his, his numbers, like you have 13 touchdowns only off of 100 carries. I got to assume a lot of them are right near the goal line. And you're, he's 220 pounds too. So I think that can suit his game well. Definitely can earn the goal line work over Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. So granted, it is the Texans. I don't know how many goal line situations they're going to be in. <laughs> but nonetheless, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, um, I liked Pierce. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable taking him in the first round by any means, but anywhere in the second round, I'd feel comfortable taking him in a rookie draft. Yeah. I have nothing else to add. That's you said it perfectly. I, and the situation is, is perfect. Couldn't be better. So yeah. Agreed. If the, uh, offense, should... if the offense as a whole was a little better, it could be better, but in terms of opportunity for touches. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Okay. Um, Next guy I want to talk about, John Mechie. He was – what round was he taking the NFL draft? Was he their second round or third? Uh, I think took him the third round. Or, I'll I don't check remember. it for you, but I think it was the third. Okay. Um, there's targets there for him. I know they got Brandon Cooks, who produces every year. Um, he has potential to be second-round pick. Yep. Okay, so that's worth a little more. Um, Cooks has potential to be out has a potential out in his contract in 2024 um, and he'll be 31 by then. So um, let's just say Brandon Cooks is so elite. He's going to eat this year, dude. I'm so glad I have him on my team. He's going to be good. Yeah. Um, But Cooks could be out by 2024. He'll be 31 then. And by then the Texans will have, I hope they have more of a direction as an organization. They have more talent there or, around Mechie and the Texans by then. So long-term, I think Mechie is going to be uh, pretty good. I liked him as a prospect. Always trust Alabama wide receivers. Um, in a situation comp, I don't know if this is a stretch or not, but trying to, I was trying to think of past years where a receiver goes into a situation where there's already a clear-cut one, but is so good they kind of take over kind of thought of DK with Tyler Lockett a couple years ago, also second round pick. 
Justin Jefferson with Adam Thielen, except he was kind of replacing Diggs. I don't know. You could say that about Deontay or any receiver. So I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. But I like Meche as a prospect, and I think the situation, even in year one, could be good. They're going to be passing a ton, so he's going to get the ball. And long-term, I think, could um, turn out very well. Yeah, I mean, I can't fault anything you said. The opportunity is certainly there. I mean, outside of Brandon Cooks, you're looking at Nico Collins, Chris Conley, Philip Dorsett, and Chris Moore. So That's not inspiring bad. names whatsoever. Uh, I do want to mention, though, I don't want to leave this unsaid, but he did tear his ACL like only a couple weeks before Jameson Williams did. So he is coming off an ACL tear himself. Um, mm-hmm. And we made a big deal about that with Jameson Williams. I don't want to completely neglect it with John Mechie. Like it's pretty much the same thing. I don't know where they're at in terms of their recovery timetable, but I think it's a, certainly a point that I feel like people just forget about with him when they're really like, I feel like that's the main thing you say when you're trying to bring up cons against Jameson Williams, but it doesn't really seem to get mentioned with him for some reason. But yeah, you're right. That is a factor. Um, but like, like I said earlier with, with Williams, I mean, it's, it's nothing that he can't get past assuming everything goes, goes smoothly. Uh, we're rounding out here. We only have a couple more names. We don't have to spend too much time on them, but, uh, you know, you want to talk about Trey McBride and then we can close it out with, uh, with my third rounder. Okay. Not my Um, pick in the third round, but the guy I'm mm going to be talking about. I don't necessarily love or hate Trey McBride. I just feel like we should talk about him because he's the consensus tight end one and he was the first tight end taken. No, um, he's not. In the NFL draft or a rookie draft? Because not in a rookie draft. Really? Who was? Greg Dolich, the tight end. Oh, the right. Yeah, he was. But um, I think Trey McBride is consensus. He's the number one ranked tight end for rookies and fantasy pros, at least. Yes, and he went to a Dolich went two point nine, and then McBride went to eleven. Just for reference, right? Yeah, I forgot about that. I was surprised that happened. Um, which I guess that makes sense because the Broncos traded Noah Fant. Anyway, um, he's just yeah, consensus tight end one. I'd say, exclude excluding our league, but I think we should talk about Trey McBride out of Colorado State, right? I have to check that for you. I think sure. so. Um, to me, he doesn't scream like top three, top five tight end. Um, but you never really know. Like Kittle was a fifth round pick. Darren you're, Waller. You're right, Colorado State. Okay. Darren Waller was a sixth round pick and crazy story for him. Um, Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey were both third round picks. So top tight ends can really just emerge out of nowhere. And this guy, he was a second round pick. So um uh, I guess when you look to um, where he was drafted, the Cardinals, Zach Ertz got traded there midseason last year, um, and they signed him to a three-year deal, I think. There is a potential out in 2024. Um, and again, they drafted McBride in the second round, so that's enough draft capital, capital for me to think that he's in their plans. Um, and he could get more looks earlier than anticipated. As we know, DeAndre Hopkins is out for the first six weeks. So that could bode well for um, him early on. Um, I, from what I have read, he's a great blocker. So that's that's always a good sign for rookie tight ends. Get them on the field early. 
Um, and he had, he was pretty, very productive as a receiver last year at Colorado state, 90 receptions, which is a lot for any receiver, let alone a tight end. He had 90 receptions, uh, 1100 yards, only one touchdown, but, um, I don't know. Touchdowns can be kind of fluky, but 90 receptions is very impressive to me. So he's a guy that produced a lot in college. Um, I think he can be solid. Do you have any firm opinion on him or not? Um, no, I don't. I mean, situation isn't the, I mean, it's a dynamic offense with a good quarterback. who's still really young, but there's still a lot of mouths to feed right now. Yeah. Um, but again, tight ends usually conventionally take longer to break out anyway. So you're not really looking for much year one, especially if it's right. a, a late second round dynasty pick. And if it's a tight end, you're, you're really, if you get anything year one, you're probably happy with that. So, uh, yeah, but you really just got to look to the future and it, it's, it, it could develop, it could go his way. Uh, last guy we'd talk about is Tyler Algier of the Atlanta Falcons running back. And this guy had an insanely productive collegiate career. Um, I'm going to pull up the exact numbers here, but I think he had 23 touchdowns last year. Whoa. Yeah. So from where? Uh, BYU. Right. Yeah. Last year. So that, all right. So his junior, sorry, his third year in college, 2020 in 11 games, he had 1130 yards, 7.5 yards per carry and 14 touchdowns. That's only in 11 games last year, 276 carries for 1600 yards and 28 touchdowns. So insane. I think that's the all time BYU rushing leader. If I'm not mistaken, I think I saw that earlier today. It's got to Yeah. 28 touchdowns. Uh, and he just, I mean, that he's not the fastest of guys. He's a former linebacker. He, he, he was initially recruited to play linebacker. He played linebacker in, in 2019 for BYU. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So he's still new at the position. Um, and he's not a burner by any means. I think he's a very slow. I think he tested really slow at the combine. But again, Falcons, you look at the running backs here. I love Cordell Patterson. I have Cordell on my team, but he's 31. He's only had one really good year as a running back, and that was last year. Um, you got Damian Williams, who is nothing special. He's just the guy. And then you got Algier right behind them. So it, it's, a, it's an opportunity that can be taken. Again, Falcons have a pretty poor offensive line. I'd say it's bottom five bottom seven in the league so not much to be excited about on that front um but i think it's for for a third round pick just going off of that right he's not the best of prospects again speed could be an issue but a guy walking into that good of a situation and he a guy who had 28 touchdowns in his in his last year in college to get him at what he went like 3.5 in a rookie draft or something like that. Three, four. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I feel like it's well, like the, I think the potential or the, the upside you're getting at three, at that 3.5, if he doesn't pan out, who cares? It's a mid third round pick, but to get that upside there, I think is huge. He's a late second for me. 
Um, yeah, honestly, yeah, he, I, I agree. I, I would have taken him in the late second for sure. Um, he's this situation is uh, kind of similar to how I felt about Antonio Gibson. Um, he can Gibson went into a situation in Washington. First of all, also a very bad team at the time in 2020. They had the second overall pick that year. Um, I mean, he was uh, like Gibson was in the mix with, uh, I don't even remember the names, but he was like, whatever. I just see the most clear path to be the best running, the RB1 in your team with Gibson. And I see the same thing here. Uh, you said about Patterson. Um, he's Patterson's not really long term. involved, but again, he's old. He's yeah, and there, so. he could be back to wide receiver. Um, you know, he's versatile. Also, like Gibson, he was another position in college. He wasn't even earning back that long. Um, anyway, I like it. I agree with what you said. They insanely good value at the third round pick. I would have taken him in a second. I agree. Guy was that the more I thought about it, the situation and kind of research a little bit more about him in the you know time leading up to our rookie draft, the more I liked it. Didn't really like think much of it at first, but I think it's sneaky good value there. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that is our dynasty rookie draft recap. We talked about a bunch of guys there. Um, and just, you know, love this time of year. Love the rookie draft. And uh, we'll see how these guys pan out. Year one, I'm sure we'll we'll overreact to year, year one and be like, oh, where are we redraft? If we had a redraft, where would we draft these guys? Um, and then it'll maybe some things will change further on from there, but it just, it's just, it's always interesting to see how these guys pan out. Like, I'm sure we were all really sold on guys in like 2018, 2019. And then like, for me, like, I don't know, just loved Christian Kirk. I thought Christian Kirk was going to be the best thing coming. And not, I disagree with not, you. Not, not that he's been terrible, but you know, I was just so sold on him. And same with carry on Johnson, like carry on. It's going to be great. <laughs> Royce Freeman, get, sign me up. But those guys are um, not even in the NFL. I think Royce Butler. Freeman might be, but Royce Freeman is Royce Freeman is on the uh... Texans. Maybe. Right. I think so. He's on a team. Akeem Butler, you drafted. Oh, I was so, I was so sure that Hakeem Butler was going to be good. What an idiot. And you drafted stupidity. you drafted Keel Harry over AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. AJ Brown, yeah, yeah, DK yeah, yeah. Metcalf. We get it. Right. All right. Let's not go down my bad draft rabbit hole. Luckily, I didn't have any first, second, or third in this draft, so I can't mess up. You can't really mess up fourths because yeah, they're fourths. Anyway, that's our show. Uh, be sure to subscribe and follow us on uh, social media on Instagram and TikTok at Hogline Podcast. Please stay tuned for our Jeopardy tournament, which should be coming out in maybe about a week or two. We have the Tournament of Champions. Jack and I will be participating in it. Hopefully, Joey makes good questions, but that's a question mark. Who knows if he will? We'll see. Yes. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. Anything else to say before we close out the show? Nope. Let's go football. Let's go football. We are <laughs> – let's see. I think the season starts on September 8th is the opening day. So how many days would that would be? That would be two months and 70, about nine days, right? Yes. Yeah, so like 73, 72, 70. Getting closer. Uh, yeah. 
A lot, lot, of, lot of content. We got some Jeopardy content coming up. And then from right there, we'll be going into a uh, fantasy draft season. And then we'll NFL have our preview. Um, yeah. We'll have our NFL preview. That, that'll, that can be, uh, I mean, Streff will be on the Jeopardy episodes, but in terms of Streff being a regular co host again, uh, the NFL preview show could be his, uh, his welcome back. Yep. There you go. All right, folks. Stay well, stay healthy. And we will uh, catch you next week. See you.